Your city, your station, your Lakers. The run for the repeat is on for the Lakers, but they're going to have to rebound after the game one loss to the Suns. I get the don't overreact part. You're right about that. But it doesn't mean the Lakers couldn't have had a better game one. We know how great of a team we're playing. That's why they're number two team in the league. Um, but we got to make sure. Lakers are going to come back. They're going to make their adjustments in game two. But you just kind of look at that game against the Golden State Warriors where the Lakers barely squeaked by. And then this first game against the Phoenix Suns, it's not a good start. Lakers talk continues. Here's Alan Sliwa. Hour number one in the books. Appreciate uh, everybody tuning in to Lakers talk. Uh, by the way, full two hours. On the ESPN app or on iTunes, same way we do it every single week. Lakers talk with Alan Sleeve. So just search that. You get the first. Uh, you get the full two hours. One hour in, one hour left to go. Uh, just a quick reminder: Jovan Buha, Lakers reporter for the Athletic and co-host of the Forum Club podcast, will join the show in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, got our top NBA story. So let's get started here. First of all, let me just say this: Can I just give my overall thoughts? on these first couple of days of the NBA playoffs. First of all, we had the exciting game last week between the Lakers and the Warriors in the playing tournament. Then you had an unbelievable game on Friday night. You know what's kind of crazy is we we never got a chance to talk about the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Warriors getting eliminated, home game at Chase Center, and uh, and John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies now up one nothing in their series against the Utah Jazz, but it all started on Friday. So before the actual playoffs even started, because that was a playing game, what a fantastic three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of, uh, of NBA basketball. And a couple things I took away from the weekend. First of all, I know Lakers didn't win, so it wasn't that exciting. It was kind of exciting to an extent, but just the product, right? I mean, how, how good were some of these games in the NBA um, but a couple of things I took away. First of all, the kind of shocker I, I thought of the first couple of days, the Clippers losing to the Dallas Mavericks in game one, uh, 113-103. Uh, they got another game. It's, I don't know why they're doing this. Lakers and Clippers are virtually playing at the same time tomorrow. So Lakers will tip off at 7. Clippers and Dallas will tip off at 7.30. I, I don't really get that one. Um, but that, to me, was the biggest surprise over the last couple of days. Listen, um, I don't think this Clippers-Mavs series is going to be a series. That's been my opinion on this matchup. Uh, But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this does turn into a series. Uh, We're obviously going to find out a lot more after tomorrow's game. We're going to find out a lot more between the Lakers and the Clippers uh, 24 hours uh, from now or whatever the case is, whenever both of those games end. But Luka Doncic, 31-point triple-double, dominated – in a game where 31, uh, 11, and 10 dominated in a game where I don't think anybody's expecting Dallas to make too much noise. So Clippers start off their run for an NBA championship or whatever they're trying to do, maybe just get to the NBA Finals, maybe just get to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know what the goal is for the Clippers. We just kind of look back at their history. Um, they start off with an L against the Dallas Mavericks. That's the game that... Uh, I think surprised me the most out of all the games over the weekend. Um, You know, you could say, okay, that Memphis-Dallas game, I'm sorry, that Memphis-Utah game on Sunday night. But I don't know, was that that much of a shocker? Uh, Donovan Mitchell didn't play, which I'm going to get to Donovan Mitchell in just a second. We're doing top NBA stories right now. Um, uh, The Bucks heat, that game one, fantastic. That game went into overtime. And then uh, obviously not much of a game tonight in that one. 
Blazers over the Nuggets, not too much of a shocker. So there were, listen, there were some games over the weekend that um, you expected and then some games that you were a little bit surprised of. I thought probably the game of the weekend was the Hawks and the New York Knicks. That was as good of a game as it gets in Madison Square Garden. 15,000 fans at the Madison Square Garden and uh, the young Atlanta Hawks team led by Trey Young making it happen late, get the two-point win. So incredible games over these last couple of days. By the way, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm sorry for those who are driving around and are Knicks fans, but root for Atlanta. I'm rooting for the Hawks here. I have no dog in the fight. Um, I am just uh, I'm just kind of going for maybe the underdog, maybe the fact that it's a it's a smaller market. I don't know what it is. I like Trey Young too. I like that young team that they have, but uh, rooting for the Atlanta Hawks in that one. Okay, a couple other NBA stories I want to get into. What an interesting, interesting kind of development. This was earlier today. Um, Donovan Mitchell upset at the Utah Jazz. Uh, They sat him in game one, but um, now he's saying he's going to focus on game two. This is interesting. So let let me read off a couple quotes here. So first of all, Donovan Mitchell's been out since April 16th. He's had that sprained right ankle um, much longer than he thought that he was going to be out for. Memphis took game one against the team with the best record in the NBA, the Utah Jazz. Memphis took game one in Utah. So let, let me read off the quote of what he said. He said, for me, for my team, I was definitely frustrated and upset that I wasn't able to play. Goes on to say, I'm a competitor. I felt I was ready to go. I felt ready to go, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case. That was not how it happened. I was ready to go when I spoke to media after Sunday's shoot-around, and they came to the decision that uh, that's what it was. The biggest thing for us is to move forward. We lost game one, and we've got to handle a couple curse words in the middle there. Excuse my language, he says. Uh, we've got to... We've got to handle our stuff uh, moving forward. Okay, so let me, let me just – this doesn't happen too often, all right? And, you know, the person I, I, I kind of thought of right out the gate, and I'll, I'll talk to Michael Thompson about this tomorrow in the uh, pregame show, Lakers, Suns, Game 2, pregame show at 5.30. But we'll spend a little bit of time on this because Michael says a lot of times players need to just tell front offices or tell the coach, no, no, I'm fine. I'm good to go. Leave me in the game. Let's say there's a there's a, some bumps and bruises during a game or uh, somebody wants to come in or they want to play and the, and the team is telling them, why don't you get a little bit more rest, whatever the case is. He says, ultimately, players kind of have the final say. Hey, no, if I, if I feel that I'm good to go, you're not going to hold me out of a game. This one kind of played opposite. Um, this one played opposite because... Donovan Mitchell said, told the Jazz he's good to go. He's ready to go. And the Jazz told him, hold up, buddy. We're actually not going to have you play. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell publicly comes out and says, yeah, I was ready to go. I thought I should go. Talked about how he's frustrated that he didn't play in game one. I'm going to read off a little bit more of his quote here. It says, the biggest thing is I felt like I should have played. To be honest with you, it's no secret. We all know that. At the end of the day, the experts said no. We can disagree on those things, but that was the frustration. It was unfair to my team. I felt like, man, I let them down in the sense that you're not there for them in a playoff game. That probably hurts me more than anything else. It eats me. I barely slept because you think about that stuff. So that was really where it hit me most uh, or where it hit me. That's where it hurt. I I love Donovan Mitchell's willingness to want to go out and play, and I understand the the training staff and the front office and everybody else 
kind of chiming in here and telling Donovan Mitchell, listen, we got to think big picture here. This is not just about game one. There's a bigger picture here for the Utah Jazz. But ultimately, ultimately, isn't it up to the player? I kind of missed something on that one. I would assume that ultimately it would be up to a player. If a player says, hey, guys, I'm good to go. I can go. You would think he would get the clearance. That was obviously not the case in game one. Um, but there's obviously confidence that Donovan Mitchell is going to be there for game two. So a lot more quotes after that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell spoke more. Uh, Quinn Snyder, the uh, coach of the Utah Jazz, spoke as well. But you don't get too many stories like that. So I thought that was interesting, and especially Donovan Mitchell coming out and you know just point blank saying he's definitely frustrated and upset that he was a late scratch to game one, the playoff opener versus the, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. I assume he's going to be there in game two. I think that's kind of the assumption here. So we'll see what happens on that front. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, I'm going to stay with the Utah Jazz for a quick second. Former Los Angeles Laker. This came out actually just right before the show started. Jordan Clarkson, first Utah Jazz player to win the NBA Sixth Man Award uh, Joe Ingles second in voting, so that doesn't happen too often, by the way. You got two guys on the same team that um, two guys on the same team that are one and two for six man of the year award. I guess it can happen. You could look at Montrez Harrell and uh, and Lou Williams. Uh, I don't think they were one two, but there it wouldn't be the first time. You obviously got a couple guys fighting for it, but uh, Jordan Clarkson won it. And I'll read off. Um, I'll read off what Jordan Clarkson said. He said, "For me, it was tough." My first couple of years because I started in L.A. during that time, but just coming to myself and trying to find the impact I can have in the game and what I could bring to it. When I got that role, I just kind of took it, worked at it, at this situation, being traded here to Utah from Cleveland. It really enhanced everything just because everybody knows their role and knows what they are doing. Uh, Got to be honest with you. You know, I, I don't think too much back of – the former Laker players, those young players, I really don't. You know, once the Lakers made that trade, and uh, even just before the trade for Anthony Davis, just some of the players that they didn't bring back, or they were clearing up cap space, or whatever the you know obviously the goal was, but the Lakers' goal was we want to win right now. I don't think too. I, I don't pay too much attention to what the other players are doing that used to be on this Lakers roster, but Jordan Clarkson, I'm proud of. It's like. That player, he's perfect for the Utah Jazz. His role is perfect, and he kind of found a niche in the NBA where he can put up 20 points a game, and he could do it on a championship-quality team. So uh, a lot of respect towards Jordan Clarkson and him winning that Sixth Man of the Year award. I'll say this too, seeing Julius Randle having the success that he's having with the New York Knicks. I got nothing but love for these players. I don't follow them. I don't follow them every game. I don't really pay attention to them. The reality is, you know, when you're wearing the purple and gold, you're supporting those players on purple and gold. And when you're not wearing the purple and gold, it's like, okay, it is what it is, whatever they accomplish. But to see Julius Randle, yesterday I'm watching that Hawks and that Knicks game. 
hits a late three, gets to the foul line at Madison Square Garden, 15,000 fans chanting MVP. It's kind of cool, you know, and it's good for him, and it's good what Brandon Ingram uh, is doing for the Pelicans, and it's good, like I mentioned, for Jordan Clarkson. We'll see what happens to Lonzo Ball. I think last week I was talking about I hope he ends up with a different team where he's got more value or they use his uh, strengths more to him, but um, even though these players are not rocking the purple and gold uh, anymore, it doesn't mean that you can't tip your cap to some of those guys. And probably a lot, actually this is the absolute truth, I think a lot of that has to do with the mere fact that the Lakers have had success since they left. Right? Like the fact that they traded for Anthony Davis and have a championship under their belt, that's the biggest thing. It's now you don't have to worry about the conversation. Oh, you shouldn't have traded for, you should have kept the young guys. You should have grown this thing organically. I mean, Lakers, mission accomplished. You got a championship, and you did it with Anthony Davis. So whatever those other young players accomplish from here, um, you let them do whatever they do. And I don't think you have – there's no uh, there's no ill will towards any of those players or what they accomplish. Okay, final NBA story I want to get into. Appreciate you guys tuning in, by the way. Jovan Buha coming up here uh, in about seven, eight minutes or so. Uh, he's a Lakers reporter for The Athletic. I, I got to – Got to figure out what, what the Lakers are going to do tomorrow. Him and I are going to figure it out. Don't worry about it. Lakers, don't worry about it. We're going to figure it out. Me and Jovan. Um, final NBA story. So there was, this was interesting. I, I saw this come up yesterday. NBA eager to restart talks with teams. Players union on midseason tournament, sources say. So let me just kind of update everybody here. If you didn't get a chance to see this. So uh, Adam Silver is really trying to get some type of an approval. Uh, obviously, there's been success of the play-in tournament. That's here to stay. So whether you were a fan of the tournament or not, that's not going anywhere. Um, there is this mid-season tournament idea that the NBA has. Kind of like a European soccer model is the best way to describe it. Okay, Eight-team single elimination tournament incentivized with $1 million per player payout for the team that wins this eight-team single elimination tournament. Now, um, do I know 100% exactly how this is going to be structured, what the details are? Uh, I don't. So I'm just kind of reading more of what this article had uh, that came out yesterday. Um, The regular season will determine, the regular season schedule will determine who's in the mix, what eight teams are going to be in it. They're talking about shortening the regular season from 82 games to 78 games to kind of accommodate whatever this uh, uh, this tournament that they're putting together. Um, this is the NBA trying to obviously be incredibly creative. This is the NBA uh, doing everything they can to you know continue to garner interest, do something new, do something creative, um, get more fans to be a part of the NBA outside of the actual regular season and before the playoffs. I, I got to be honest. I'm a little confused by the concept, the idea, and the purpose. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. What's the purpose? Why should we be excited about this midseason tournament? Um, would you really be that proud if you're a team out there that won the midseason tournament? I don't have an answer to this. I'm just kind of throwing some, um, throwing some, trying to get more answers and more clues why this would be interesting to viewers. Uh, I think ultimately at the end of the day, the playoffs obviously are incredibly interesting. You're trying to play for an NBA championship. 
would a midseason award or tournament be that exciting? You know, um, I know I'll use the Summer League as an example. The Summer League, I remember when the Lakers won that Summer League championship, and I think Kuzma got MVP of the game, but Lonzo got con- uh, MVP of the tournament, if I if I remember correctly. I mean, I know this was a few years back. That was fun. It was. It was, it was actually exciting, but that was exciting for a team that you knew wasn't going to win an NBA championship, and you just wanted to watch the young players. I don't know if we need another tournament. I just don't know if we do. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe this is a home run idea, but when I was reading the details of what the NBA is trying to do and why they're trying to do it, I couldn't wrap my head around why I would be interested, right? And, you know, I don't think this is going to take place of the All-Star game. I think you're going to have a lot of star players that are going to say, no, we don't want to be a part of this. Why would we want to be a part of this? We're already, uh, you know, I, I could see them resting and not playing in this type of a tournament. So, We'll see what eventually happens, but that was uh, another story that came out of the NBA, and let's just say the NBA finding ways to uh, stay at the top of mind from a fan perspective, another concept and idea right there. Okay, quick shout-out here to Harris Resort SoCal. Pack your victory dance and go all-in on fun at Harris Resort SoCal. From dining to unwinding, fun is a sure bet at the best resort in Funner, California. Are you game for a getaway? Start planning your trip by visiting Harris SoCal.com. Appreciate you guys tuning into our top NBA stories. Appreciate you guys being a part of Lakers talk. Uh, Jovan Buha coming up next. Lakers, Lakers reporter for The Athletic. Jovan and I are going to figure this whole thing out. Laker fans, don't worry about tomorrow. By the time I'm done talking to Jovan, everything's going to be figured out. Stay right here. This is Lakers talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Catch uh, all two hours, the full two hours of Lakers Talk. ESPN app or on iTunes. Just type in Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. I uh, want to welcome in Jovan Buha, Lakers reporter for The Athletic, co-host of the Forum Club podcast. Jovan, I, I just want to kind of prepare this. I've been, I've been promoting that you're going to come on, and I basically told Laker fans, I said, guys, don't worry. By the time Jovan and I are done talking, we'll have it all figured out. So no pressure, Jovan. <laughs> but by the time we're done talking tonight, we got to have game two uh, set to go for tomorrow. So just a heads up. Just a heads up. I think I think we're ready for it. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> all right. Let, let, let's start with this. Um, you know, earlier today, uh, we got a chance to hear from Lakers head coach Frank Vogel. And I played the clip coming off your question about Marcus Gasol and uh, Marcus all potentially, you know, will he will he have a role in this series? I know, obviously, in Game One he didn't. What kind of explain your angle here? Because I've had Laker fans. It's funny because Gasol was one of the players, kind of an easy target during the season, and then Drummond came in, and now uh, I feel like Drummond's becoming a little bit of a target from Laker fans. What? How do you think Gasol should be used this series? And do you think that the Lakers will go out of their way to uh, try and put Marc Gasol in the mix with the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, well, I, I think he's he's worth a look because, in, in my opinion, um, you know the, the the center rotation did not work. They obviously got 
uh, outplayed by DeAndre Ayton. And I think some of that was the, the scheme and um, some of the smart things that Phoenix did to game plan. Uh, like like one of the, the things I noticed on, on film was uh, the Lakers are a, a strong help side team. Like that is one of the strengths of their defense. And Phoenix was purposely running actions in which that weak side guy was often coming up um, kind of towards the three-point line. So normally that guy would kind of be stationed in the corner and that guy could come over and help. But when your guy's going up, you're kind of in this weird thing of, well, you know, maybe he's going to get a weak side three and then I kind of have to help. And they were putting the Lakers in some tough predicaments. And I just think, you know, you and I have, have had this conversation uh, off the, offline and online um, on here where I just think Marcus Gasol, you know, for, for all of his limitations, as you said, I think he's kind of been the punching bag sometimes for, for things that aren't really his fault. He still provides so much value for this team offensively. And, um, you know, defensively, I think he has his strengths. He clearly, you know, sometimes with, with, with rotations and having to get out to the three-point line, he can struggle with some of that stuff. But all the lineup data suggests that Mark is the best defensive center other than AD. But by a long shot. But aside from that, I think it's more the offensive end where, you know, having a guy in that dunker spot, uh, which is usually where they put uh, Trez or Andre Drummond when AD has the ball, it just clogs up the paint. Mm -hmm. And there were so many times, you know, upon rewatching the game where it was like AD would make a move and he's going into the paint and, you know, Trez or Drummond's guy is right there to double him or, or to help over. Um, or someone, you know, Dennis is trying to get into the paint, or Kalen, or, or LeBron, and there's a guy right there because they don't have to worry about Andre or, or Trez outside of a few feet from the rim. So I think having Mark, a guy who can, st- you know, station above the three-point line, you know, how many times do we see Mark come in and immediately a guy gets a back cut for a layup? Mm-hmm. Like, that is what Mark can do. And I think just him being that floor spacer and a guy who can screen and playmake from up there, that's going to open up the floor for driving lanes, and it's going to open up the floor for AD in the post. So I think Mark can play a critical role. And, and one, you know, I know Phoenix had some fast break points and got out of transition, but Chris Paul teams historically like to play slow, and they actually only had 90 possessions in yesterday's game, which was very, very slow for a, a, a game in 2021. So I think Mark can play. I think he can hang, and I think he's worth a, a look at around 15 minutes a night. Jovan, we, uh, you know, th- this is going to continue to be the case Last 24 hours, all anybody talked about was Anthony Davis. For the next 24 mm-hmm. hours, all anybody's going to talk about is Anthony Davis until we get into game two. You know, one of the points that I was making yeah. earlier is um, I'm sure AD is listening to the noise, and I'm sure AD will respond tomorrow. I, I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow he has one of those games. We've seen him do it before where he's got a bad game, everybody jumps all over him, and then he responds. Um, the bigger question for me is not just about game two. How does Anthony Davis and you know you could you you can give your opinion of how much of this is the responsibility of AD? How much is this the responsibility of Lakers head coach Frank Vogel? Maybe LeBron, his teammates, whatever the case is. But how do we make sure, or what what do you think happens the rest of the series where it's not Anthony Davis responding tomorrow and being super aggressive and getting to the free throw line twelve or fourteen times? But that's what AD's got to do every single night, you know, night in and night out. I know you're going to have games where you just have bad games. That's okay. But I think, you know, looking at the amount of rebounds he had yesterday, looking at how many free throw attempts, even in that Warriors game, what what do you think has to happen for Anthony Davis to have consistent big-time performances, not just tomorrow, but the rest of this series? 
I honestly don't have an answer. And this is where <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to help Laker fans with this because, you know, honestly, this has been an issue all season. Like, I feel like we, we've had how many times has, has AD called himself out this season mm-hmm. after a game? And then, you know, yes, he comes out that next game and, and maybe even a couple games, you know, has, has a couple big games in a row. But then it, it almost feels like it's like every third or fourth game, he kind of has a dud and, and has to call himself out for his performance and just sort of his mentality. And, uh, you know, to have that happen in the play-in game, which was essentially a game seven for the Lakers, really until the fourth quarter when he turned it on, and then to have it in game one when, you know, I, I thought, again, had, you know, I, I wrote a really in-depth series preview, and, and one of my points was, like, there's no way Phoenix can match up with AD. I mean, sure. we just saw it two weeks ago. He torched everybody. They had DeAndre Ayton on him. They had Jay Crowder, Bridges, Torrey Craig. Whoever they put on him, he was busting them in the post, you know, step backs, fadeaways, driving to the rim, drawing fouls, doing all that. And it was like a completely different player in game one. And, um, you know, I, I do think that as we saw last season, AD is at his best at the five, surrounded by four shooters and playmakers and just perimeter guys. So I, I do think part of it is you, you downsize a little bit, you run some high pick and roll with AD, or even you get him some post-ups with some spacing, he's going to eat and he's going to do well. So I, I do think part of it, again, is just, downsizing a little bit and probably playing more with 80 at the five, which we saw them do in that Golden State game. It's a great success where he played 17 minutes at center in the second half, and I thought that worked well. So I do think that's one thing. Um, but you know, the Lakers just got to you know, feed him, and he's got to be aggressive because you know, his quote after the game of saying, I got lost in the offense, like you know, LeBron was, was cooking early and, and you know, Drummond was getting some baskets inside, and like I just got lost. It's like, you're Anthony Davis. Yeah, you're, nobody you're wants to hear that. Not no, nobody wants player. to hear that. You can't get lost. Mm-hmm. You can't get lost. You're, you're Anthony Davis. So, um, I mean, I think it, it, it's probably better for this to happen in game one versus, like, game six. Sure. But to your point, we, we have no assurance it's not going to happen in game six. So, I, I don't really know because this has been a, a season-long thing. And other than that three-game stretch against Denver, uh, Portland, and Phoenix, we have not really seen last year's Anthony Davis consistently this year. So, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I honestly don't know. No, it's a, it's a, I think that's a perfect way to put it. I, I've kind of sat here this entire show, and uh, and, I'll, and I'll use a good example here. Let me just uh, quickly promote Jovan Buha, Lakers reporter for The Athletic. He also is the co-host of the Forum Club podcast. By the way, Jovan, how do they get that podcast? Where do they got to go? Uh, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and also if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can listen to it on there. Okay, um, so... This is, um, oh man, this is such a, this is such playoff conversation when it happens. You ready for this one? You ready, ready for my next question? Yeah. Um, I spent some time on this to start the show. Game two, is it a, is this a must win? And I know that sounds ridiculous, but let me kind of explain what I'm referring to. Um, if you're a championship team, and I really feel like I, I thought your piece in the Athletic pointed this out too uh, from earlier today. With all that, you know, the bad uh, three-point shooting, the awful, the 11 missed free throws, the turnovers, the AD not, um, you know, contributing, LeBron with an okay game, and then nobody else scoring more than, I think, 14 points from the role-player perspective, Lakers were still, in a weird way, in the game in the fourth quarter. Um, A lot had to go right for the Suns. A lot had to go wrong for the Lakers. The point that I was making earlier was championship teams, they win this game tomorrow. Right, like championship rosters walk in. Everybody's been saying how bad the Lakers have been. 
talking about Anthony Davis, talking about all these different things the Lakers did wrong. Typically, championship teams kind of embrace that in a weird way, right? And they walk into an environment tomorrow in Phoenix, and they go find a way to win game two. And I'm not telling you it's going to be perfect. Um, Number one, how do you think game two plays out? And do you think this is a, hey, Lakers can't fall down 0-2, even though they have this type of roster, it's uh, it's just going to be a challenge. This team has not convinced us that they're championship quality at the moment. Um, I think game two is going to play out with the Lakers winning. Um, I think they're going to bounce back. I mean, we've seen them with their backs against the wall. We saw what they did against the Warriors. I think we saw it down the stretch of the season with, with, you know, entering the the playoffs with with that six-game win streak and including beating some some pretty good teams, uh, including Denver and Phoenix down the stretch. So uh, I think they're going to bounce back. I think we're going to see as desperate of a Lakers team as we've seen all season, because if we don't, um, I think they're going to lose if they go down 0-2. Like I, I think the the I think Phoenix is really good. Um, you know, I I just made this point on, on my podcast last night. Like, let's compare Phoenix to the three teams in the West they played last year. I think you can make a case they're better than any of the three teams they played last year. Now we don't know the status of Chris Paul, and that's going to be I think a big swing factor in how this series plays out because. If Chris Paul is, you know, is, misses any time sure. or just isn't – like if, if it's the game one, Chris Paul, the rest of the series, I, I don't see how Phoenix wins. But if Chris Paul gets back to being Chris Paul, um, I don't say the Lakers beat this team four times in five games with, with just sort of the, how good this – I think Phoenix is really good. Like, you know, I, I think they deserve uh, – we, we talk a lot about what the Lakers didn't do, but Phoenix did a lot right, you know, and, and, and they didn't have Chris Paul for basically two and a half quarters after that shoulder injury. And it really was Aiton and Booker carrying everything. So, um, you know, I, I think, while of course, if the, if the Lakers are playing to their ceiling and their potential, they're the favorites. They should win the series, no doubt. So I'm not, I'm not going to go against that. But I, I do think Phoenix deserves credit as a worthy opponent. You know, I, I don't think that was fluky or, or fool's gold what we saw yesterday. So I, I would say it's a must win. You know, I, I don't think you want to go back to L.A., well, honestly, they've, they've been better on the road than at home this season, mm. uh, which was kind of the trend for, for most of the year until they, they, they got some home wins to, to finish the season. Like, you know, I don't feel great about them coming back 0-2. Like, I wouldn't put it past them. It, they still have LeBron. They still have AD. But those guys also haven't looked physically right. right. Um, you know, I, I think that's another thing kind of here where LeBron hasn't looked like himself. And, and I, don't, I don't think it's like a mental thing or just him not playing well. It's like physical. Like, he's not getting downhill. He's not finishing the paint. So, um, I would not feel great about their chances of winning the series if they go back down 0-2. Jovan, uh, appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Always uh, appreciate and enjoy talking Lakers basketball with you, talking NBA with you. Every time Jovan and I see each other at Staples Center, usually <laughs> it's in the – Jovan, we have a thing. Like Every time I go get my food, you're there getting your food, and we can't really yeah. cross paths <laughs> without talking. So uh, I know that that's, uh, that's our routine, and I'm sure we'll do it on Thursday. But I appreciate your time. All right, buddy? I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Jovan Bua right there. Literally, every time I go get food, uh, I see Jovan. I'm like, Jovan, uh, just a second, stay right there, grab my food here, and let's go ahead and talk NBA basketball for the next 15 minutes. Um, okay, a uh, couple things I want to get into when we come back. Actually, one thing specific that I want to get into. Is there a Lakers role player that we should be talking about more? Is there somebody that we should that, that should be stepping up and has not stepped up you know, not just in that game one, but your expectations for that specific role player. I spent a lot of time 
talking about Anthony Davis tonight, uh, as everybody has. So I think a lot of these role players have kind of stayed under the radar. There's a lot of players that we are expecting to do big things here. Of course, it starts with the two superstars. But is, is there a Lakers role player that sh- that we should be talking more about? I'll get into that coming up next. 877-710-ESPN if you guys want to be a part of the show. Uh, we'll take some phone calls when we come back. Plus, we'll continue to preview Game 2 for the Lakers against the Phoenix Suns. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. It's funny. Every time I do Lakers Talk, you know, it's obviously just two hours – Hour and a half goes by, hour 45. How did we get here? I feel like I just started. Appreciate everybody that called in, by the way. Thank you to Jovan Buha for being a part of the show. Uh, 877-710-ESPN. I'm going to throw out this question to Laker fans. Is there a Lakers role player should, that we should be talking about more? Is there somebody that you expected to step up or you're expecting to step up in these playoffs, but we're not talking about them? So if you want to be a part of that conversation, 877-710-ESPN. I could actually go down a long laundry list in this topic. Um, I, I don't expect each role player to step up, step up every game. They're role players, right? So you have certain expectations for them that y- you don't have uh, for LeBron James, Anthony Davis are going to be the expectation is every single game they deliver, which is why Anthony Davis is getting really so much attention and so much heat, you could say, over the last 48 hours or the last 24 hours, whatever the case is. By the time we get tomorrow, it'll be 48 hours. Um, but then the role players... You know, when I say I don't expect them to step up every night, but a couple of them need to step up each game, right? Every, each game there's got to be, okay, hey, that game, KCP and Caruso were huge. And then in the next game, it's got to be Dennis Schroeder was fantastic and Drummond dominated download, just using those as examples. Um, I think Caruso's doing his job. I'll tell you that. He's been doing his job consistently, especially in that Warriors game and then this game, um, against the uh, the first game against the Phoenix Suns. And these are the games that matter now, right? I mean, what, whatever happened in the regular season kind of is what it is. These role players are going to kind of make their money or earn their money in this type of role. They're going to do it in the postseason. And this is no shock. We, we've seen great Laker role players over the years that have stepped up their game in the postseason. Kuzma was interesting to me yesterday. Kuz, in a, in a weird way, has become too unselfish. Does that sound weird? Kuz has become too unselfish. Kuz didn't score yesterday. He was 0-2 from the field. You know, there was a time in Kuzma's career, talk about going full circle here with Kuz, there was a time in Kuzma's career where we would say, all right, Kuz, come on, that's not a good shot. You can't take that shot. That That's a, that's a shot that kind of goes away from the flow of the offense and everything else. Um, now I almost feel like Kuz is too unselfish, which is crazy to think if you'd have told me that that was a case on Kuz a year ago to where we are today. Um, I think Kuz has got to look more for his shot. I think the coaching staff should get Kuz a couple looks a game, you know, off a timeout or an inbound pans, uh, inbounds play, try to get Kuzma going. I'm not saying Kuz got to take 15 shots, but I, I think Kuz can help the Lakers, and I, I don't see him being aggressive enough uh, almost kind of just, okay, let me make my pass, let me play some defense, let me kind of get out of the way, set a screen and move on. Niku's got to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, Dennis Schroeder, before he went out with health and safety protocols for the you know the second time this season, I thought he was the third most important player on this Lakers team, the third best player on this Lakers team. And you know it's going to take a second for him to get that engine going, 
because he was out. And he even, you know, did an interview, I think it was last week, talking about I couldn't do anything for two weeks. So I need some time to get my legs under me and everything else. The problem is we're in the postseason. So, um, you know, if if Anthony Davis has a bad night or doesn't play well or LeBron James is 100%, these guys pretty much, they can't have off nights, even though that's going to happen because they're role players. But each one of these guys kind of sticks out to me a little bit. I thought the uh, I thought coach saying earlier today um, about you know the Gasol part of it. We'll see what happens if you'll get playing time as as the rest of the series progresses. But take a listen to Andre Drummond here, real quick. I want to play this. This is Andre Drummond from today as well on his specific role and how he's trying to fit in. Me personally, being here, uh, I'm learning a lot uh, with the minutes I'm playing. I mean, obviously, I'm doing what I can uh, with the. You know, with the amount of time I'm on the floor, just trying to do the best I can to help the team as much as I can. Uh, I mean, that's really all I can tell you. I think I'm getting acclimated just fine. It's just uh, doing what I can when I'm out there. Drummond has um, – it's been interesting. I thought Drummond would have a bigger impact because there's so much attention that's supposed to be going to Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And then there's other times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we're – probably should take Drummond out of the game. You know, and I, I didn't think I'd be, I'd be saying that. And this is also, you know, you can make a converse or you can make a, a point too about, um, you can obviously make a point too about having Marcus all get more playing time, less playing time for Andre Drummond. Let, let me take a quick phone call here. Uh, let's go to, let's go to Enrique in uh, Santa Ana. Enrique, thank you for calling in, bud. You're on Lakers talk. Hey, how's it going, Alan? Thanks Good. for having me, brother. You got it, buddy. Um, I just wanted to uh, bring up the fact that I, I really wish that maybe Schroeder and Drummond in a perfect world would be coming off the bench. Um, I feel like if they click, you know, Schroeder's obviously a six-man candidate. Drummond, he, he is, his list isn't there, but I, I still see him as a big body against second units that, that may have trouble covering. I just feel like the, the starters of Phoenix – you know, led by Chris Paul, that they're, they're super fast, they're they're gunny. You know, it reminds me of that D'Antoni sons. You know, when they were running gun, but now you have Chris Paul actually leading it and Booker following up. So, you know, I, I really like I like Wes Matthews. I like Caruso. Um, yeah, you know, it's you interesting. Know, you know, it's interesting, Enrique, and I appreciate you calling. In. Sorry to cut you off, but we got to go to commercial break here real quick. What's interesting is this. What's interesting is the Lakers right now in their position. I don't think they're going to change the starting lineup, but that doesn't mean that they can't trade. They can't change, um, you know, who closes out games, who plays the most minutes, and everything else. I feel like, I feel like there is um, there is probably more opportunities for some of these players that you're talking about in the flow of a game. And, and if you start Andre Drummond and you start Dennis Schroeder, it doesn't mean they have to play. 35 minutes a night or whatever the case is. Okay, you know what? I, I got you know some secret uh, news here. Steve told me we don't have to go to break, so we just keep going here. Jeez, keep going here. A quick shout-out, by the way. Is your vehicle due for a service? Head into your neighborhood Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Home of the 15-minute drive-through oil change for over 30 years, Valvoline has provided quick and convenient automotive maintenance services for busy people just like you. No dragging the kids to a dirty waiting room. At Valvoline, you stay in your car, you stay safe while the expert technicians make sure your ride is in peak performance. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline instant oil change. Let's go to Leo in L.A. Leo, appreciate you calling in. You're on Lakers Talk. What's going on, Leo? What's happening, man? I... 
I love listening to you because you be getting me going sometimes. <laughs> but I think you're setting a low bar okay. on, on what Lakers basketball actually is. Question for you real quick. How would you feel three of your coworkers came to work, but they didn't work that day? They put everything on you. Would you like that? Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. No, but that's what you're saying the Lakers should be doing. And, and what it is, uh, we've talked before, mm-hmm. the standard of Laker basketball is not what it used to be. I'll tell you this too. But why? Why, why do you say, Leo, Leo? Why do you say? I think it is the the standard, which is why you know we're having these conversations. Why we're giving AD so much heat, and which is exactly why I said for tomorrow, uh, if you're a championship team, you go take care of business tomorrow. Tell tell me more of your point. But I, I don't think we're lowering the standard. I think the standard is still the standard. Okay, okay, I'll roll with you on that. But like you mentioned. The elephant in the room is AD. Mm-hmm. He's a top player, but he can't carry a team like LeBron can. LeBron is going to give you the business. I mean, we've seen his body of work. We've yet to see Anthony Davis' body of work, except for him being hurt every year on every team he's played on. Facts. I, I don't think, Leo, and I appreciate you calling in, um, if your point or your question was – can AD carry a team on his own? Can AD be what LeBron is? I, I don't think anybody could tell you that he can. No, I, I don't think that's the case. By the way, you need stars to win championships. Kobe and Shaq did it together. The Magic era, of course, was Kareem. It was James Worthy. It was Byron. It was Cooper. I mean, there's a ton of guys that were doing it. Uh, the Kobe Powell days, you also had a lot of role players that were making it happen. You can't have one guy, but if the question is, can Anthony Davis be as valuable as LeBron James? The answer is no, he cannot. What Anthony Davis needs to do is just do what he's supposed to be doing on a night in night out basis. He can't have nights where he's 13.7 rebounds, 5 of 16 from the field, only 5 free throw attempts, minus 18 in the plus minus, where DeAndre Ayton dominates with 21 and 16. He can't have those type of nights. Let me squeeze in one more quick call. Robert in Venice. Go ahead, Robert. You're on uh, Lakers Talk. Hey, Slee, great show. So, you know, I think the game yesterday validates the importance of avoiding the play-in tournament because you have to, like, think the Lakers on Friday play a, a tough Golden State team that comes down to the final shot, and they have less than 48 hours to turn around, get on the road, go to Phoenix and play. And, yeah, AD had a bad game, but we could usually absorb that type of bad game if Kuz has some points – I think KCP went one for seven. He struggled. So he, he missed big threes. Yeah, the role players didn't step up, but I think we have to look at also that game on Friday. It took a lot of the Lakers. I think we'll be fine. I think game two. And, and Robert, we'll you're, you're, you're two days off, so I appreciate you calling in. Two days off. They played Wednesday, so they had three full days off before they played on Sunday. It's tough to, and I, I get the point that you're making. The point you're making is just in general to have a playing tournament. That obviously wasn't ideal or to be in the playing tournament. But those are kind of the circumstances for the Lakers this year. I, I'll tell you this. Um, nobody's looking for excuses. Neither are the Lakers, by the way. Lakers, you know, that organization, that front office, all they care about is winning and winning championships. Tomorrow's going to say a lot about this Lakers team. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I really am. I think the Lakers are going to handle business small, but it doesn't matter what I think. It just matters the product that we see on the floor. So we'll find out a lot more about this Lakers team. They're going to tie up the series 1-1, handle business, come back to Staples Center, or they're going to be down 0-2. We'll have to wait and find out. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, Thank you for being a part of the show. L.A., as always, Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa.